the incomparable. Number 304, June 2016. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. We're going to do a special episode about uh, the TV season past. Now, you know, technically the TV season is endless and it never stops and there's always new stuff on now, even in the summertime. But we're going to take this moment sort of for tradition's sake. you got to draw a line somewhere. And the traditional uh, broadcast network TV season did just end. And so we're going to do a couple episodes in the next month or, or so about... Uh, television sort of wrapping up general interests, like lots of different stuff. And I decided there was so much in this times, in these times of confusion, times of peak TV, that we would take the uh, superhero-ish kind of shows and throw them all in a pot and do an episode about them. And that's this episode. So joining me to talk about the uh, the year gone by in superhero TV and other comic book related TV. It's a uh, fine panel of guests. Dan Morin is here. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jason. Pleasure to be here. From I should say from the Arrowcast. Yes. Uh, from the Flash Flashcast, it is Mr. Philip Moselak. Hi, Mose. Hi. And also from the Flash Flashcast, Lisa Schmeiser. Hello. Hello. And also from the Flash Flashcast, ah, it's Tony Sindelar. Hello, nerds. We roll deep. That's how we do it. I, yes. I feel outnumbered. <laughs> Yeah, well, where, where are those guys? <laughs> Some of us may be time him. fragments. Yeah, yeah. Mo, I should say Moe's also has a has the Daredevil uh, rewind uh, pin on his chest, so he's a he's got he's got a lot of superheroes that he's covering, and also joining us uh, a guy who's not in any flash cast about superheroes because he saves that uh, for dragons <laughs> and uh, ice zombies. It's Monty Ashley. Hi, Monty. I have spent the last five years trapped. On a hellish podcast. <laughs> I'm just wow. adopting Monty for my arrow for arrow, yeah. the honorary arrow cast for this episode. <laughs> I worry that Monty's going to spend this entire podcast flashing back to those five years that he was trapped on a hellish podcast. <laughs> and they were just going to be like, why is this relevant? Oh, why man. does he have such a weird wig on? You don't need a wig when you're podcasting. I like Monty, but the, the, the flashbacks in this season of Monty are not, not as useful. <laughs> his facial hair keeps changing. <laughs> well, it grows out, if that's what you mean. Hey, as long as we're plugging superhero-related stuff we do, I would say I write about Arrow and Gotham and Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. on Previously.TV. Excellent plugged. plug. Well done. Well plugged. Um, guys, I'm actually Jason from episode 2000 of The Incomparable. <gasps> An immortal madman killed my family, and I've come back in time for unspecified to reasons to change wow. history. <laughs> so sad. I've chosen all of you to be my champions because of, un again, unspecified reasons that I'll explain. <laughs> nobody later. will miss us when we're, we're gone. We're, expen we're the expendable ones, I guess. If you do something to us, you're just changing the present. But you'll be legends. Yeah, that sounds mm. like a show that's going to yeah. be really, really good. I mean, I'm really <laughs> excited about that kind of show. I'm not that excited about the other nine people that have been chosen with me. Mm. How are any of us going to get yeah. any developmenters? I think, I think in the next season, our show will be much better. I don't want to mm. be trapped on a spaceship with Dan. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that bet. Uh, so let's let's uh, start with... Uh, we'll do some check-ins on shows that... Uh, that um, Already exist before we go to the uh, the new shows. Uh, already existed. Uh, so the Flash and Arrow we mentioned. Uh, we obviously we've got people here who talked about those shows weekly on the TV podcast from the Incomparable. If you don't know about it, you should check it out. We recap and review lots and lots of shows on the TV podcast, including some superhero shows. Um, 
So why don't we start with those two, since they're kind of in this connected universe and uh, and returning shows. Um, what did everybody think about the season of Arrow as a whole? Let's start there, since we've got Monty and Dan especially representing uh, the deep focus on the Arrow show. But I know everybody watched it. So what what do you guys think of this season of Arrow? Neil McDonough is, I don't know how to pronounce his name, but he's great. Neil he's McDonough, he's fantastic. Yes, he made this season, if you ask Thank me. God for Neil McDonough, because <laughs> after last year's wet blanket that was Rachel Gould. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was a low bar to clear, but he cleared it with room to spare. I, I like a guy who enjoys being evil. Really evil. With a smile on his face. Did you guys see season three of Justified? Yes, yes I did. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah, like this is kind of becoming his bread and butter, and I, for one, applaud the move. Mm-hmm. He's He enjoys eating scenery at a tremendous rate. Oh, I'm totally funny. okay with that. And he just, he really... It's fascinating to me. I mean, he was credited in all of... He appeared in almost every episode of the mm-hmm. season, except for a few. And he's credited as special appearance by in everyone, which makes me wonder if they just shoveled a whole lot of cash in his direction. I had several moments where I thought to myself, wow, how did Arrow afford Neil McDonough? Because he's, he's way really too good, good for that show. <laughs> uh, but he's... I mean, hey, he was worth every penny they spent. Yeah. I agree. I agree. The the importance of having a good villain and the villain, ideally the villain has some kind of plan and yeah, it's going to be flawed because they're going to have to be foiled, but (laughs) they got to have a plan, Flash, they got to have a plan and and ideally you've got to just enjoy how they chew the scenery and, uh, you know, uh, Damien Dark, (laughs) with a name like that, he's got to be a good villain and he was, he really was. D-A-R-H-K, by the way. That H, man. It's the extra H, the H is for Hevel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> now hold on real quick before we start putting a bunch of feathers in arrow's cap because whoa. well you know whoa well it does I, I know, dan i know i'm doing that's something that you fletching. normally do the feathers um, help with stability of the arrows that's right i'll allow it most okay thank you you know i have guy english in my closet right now uh, so that he <laughs> cannot be he on the show. Arrow, was it punching above its weight with nukes? <laughs> uh, <laughs> Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and Gotham and Arrow all had nuclear weapon plots going on at the end of the season. Only Arrow decided it was a good idea for an 8 o'clock show to blow up a city and say, oh, tens of thousands of people are dead off screen. And they don't even mention it in the Flash universe. Yeah, it does, just not, weird does not make global there's, news. There's, there's bigger no. issues going on there, I guess. But I, I guess I think the problem, you know, if, if Arrow had any problems um, leading up to the end of the season, I think what's great about Damian Dark is that he does have an agenda. He is the hero of his oh, own story. I totally. In, in a way that, in the way that Ra's al Ghul was just like super concerned about like org charts. Um, and... <laughs> I think that what worked well, that that worked well. I agree that I feel like they tried to amp it up to a degree that wasn't, maybe wasn't necessary and did mean that some of the stuff in the in the finale fell a little flat. I felt the, the final confrontation was kind of anticlimactic after, you, after you've pulled out nukes. Like, really, where do you have to go after that? And it, it is weird unless that <laughs> ends up being... 15,000 nukes! Yeah, unless you end up making that a thing, like, for the next season uh, unless you're setting something up uh to just do that as sort of an example of how evil this guy is and how much he's powered up now like i don't know it seemed it seemed uh, unnecessarily like um uh what's the word i'm looking for uh it just it seemed like it raised the stakes a little bit too much i felt like we were back in the 80s with all the nuclear cold mm-hmm. war stuff going on this this year 
Does it, does everything have to be the end of the world? I mean, that was no, the other thought that doesn't. I had. Is also it seemed awfully prosaic that that, that it was going to be nuclear weapons blowing everything up when this is a super magic guy. I kind of right. figured it would lead to some horrible magic thing he would do, but no, that's not it. It's computers that can take over magically can take over. I guess there's the magic. It's the computers must be magical to be able to launch every single nuclear missile in the world. But Technomancy. But they 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 are. <laughs> Um, boy, they really these these shows really don't know anything about how computers work. They really, yeah. The Tech Z team, as we refer to them on the Arrowverse mm-hmm. cast, uh, they, yeah, they should not be. They, as far as they're concerned, apparently, all technology is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah, I will be interested <laughs> to see if they deal with the aftermath of the entire world's nuclear arsenal being lost. Right, because I'm pretty yeah. sure what happened was all fifteen thousand nuclear missiles were launched. They were going to take exactly two hours to reach their destination, except for one, which was going to reach Star City in 45 minutes, and it got foiled <laughs> by a handheld camera and a tablet. Mm-hmm. And then all mm-hmm. 15,000 other missiles got their horizon flipped upside down, so they thought they were supposed to go into space instead of down to Earth, which is not how gravity works. Also, that's not how <laughs> nuclear missiles work either. <laughs> But they all went into space, so now there are no nukes left on Earth in Arrow or presumably Flash. And you would think that would have some kind of effect on And space mm-hmm. is irradiated. <laughs> yeah, oh, I was well, going to yeah. say the aliens come next season and they're really mad. <laughs> like, you polluted hey, we Earth. have to live in the solar system, too, yeah. they'll say. Yeah. Yeah. Green Lantern's going to write us a ticket. What? <laughs> right, and John Jones is going to show up and be like, seriously, people? <laughs> Oh, he's got mad. So, so yeah. I thought I thought Arrow had a stronger year than the year before. I thought the flashbacks were kind of ridiculous. Um, uh, but we're we're yep. at the point now where next season presumably they're basically going to have to tell a story that leads up to the first episode of the first season, and I'm kind of looking forward to that. Although I yeah. suspect it still will be unnecessary. I would be happy if they dropped the flashback conceit entirely. I'm also really amused by the idea that in the sixth season they'll have to come up with some other conceit or flashback to the middle of the first season of Arrow. Oh, Guy, Guy English has been advocating for that since, like, day one. But I think, they'll, I mean, just drop it at that point. There's no yeah. reason not to. Yeah. It's, you're unnecessarily constrained by it, and you really, you had Why a great idea for two years. Then? They were down to, like, two minutes of flashbacks per episode in this last season. They did not yeah. have enough story, and they didn't when, even try. When you've done it for four out of the five years, I can see why you feel like you need to wrap it up. But, yeah, I think after season five, maybe just let it go. I liked the couple of episodes where the flashbacks weren't Oliver on the island. Yes. Yeah. Diggle. Diggle had some good ones. Yeah. Um, there was one. Yeah, there were one or two others, too. But yeah, I, I think. And there were one or two episodes where they dropped it entirely. And you got to the end and you're like, I really did not miss those flashbacks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I, can we throw a little praise to some of the supporting cast in Arrow? I, I, I'm constantly impressed by the supporting cast in Arrow, yep, especially yep. Diggle and Felicity. I think those mm-hmm. are, are characters that bring so much dimension to the part. They make the leading man look better because they give him things to play off of. And the, the, the way that they interact with Oliver, I think, is uh, I think it's uh, – that that's some they got some good they got they got uh, whether it's luck or I think it's a little bit of luck and then also the wisdom to see what they had but those those uh those actors are both very good and uh, the characters really help that show I think that that would be that show would be not watchable I think <laughs> maybe I would argue if you didn't have such a great sort of trio at the at the core of it with with Diggle mm-hmm. and Felicity along with Oliver and they had a great season arc I mean at the end of the day I mean. Comparing it to other things like The Flash, they actually had a full season arc 
that yeah. didn't seem to stammer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they really did run right through. And they, well, they had, I mean, I think they ran right through for the most part. There were a couple of hiccups here and there, but they stuck to the main plot. He, Damien Dark shows up in episode one and, you know, is evil. And then basically, you know, we unfold that through the course of the season. There's a couple other good little mini arcs in there. There are some dumb arcs. I think we all probably agree that the, uh, I can't tell my girlfriend about my <laughs> illegitimate my child, child arc was <laughs> silly. I think they were just trying to back out of Oliver marrying Felicity, which, by the way, shouldn't they be married by now? She seems to have completely forgiven him, but the marriage did not go back on. Well, you know, sometimes people feel very strongly when they're lied to about illegitimate love children. Uh, Love's fickle. As we know. As we know. Still be- still better season than, than last season of Arrow. Yes? Oh, yes. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, this I, is, I, yeah. I'm really enjoying uh, Felicity's mother and Curtis Holt. Yes. Yes. Curtis Holt is yeah. fantastic. Both mm. of them are enthusiastic about things and not mopey usually, which I, I really I love Mama like. Smoke so much. I just yeah. think she's the greatest. And uh, I have I have enjoyed every, every episode she's been in the minute mm-hmm. she shows up on screen. Charlotte Ross is a pretty underrated player in this universe, if you ask me. Oh, she's great. And she and Paul Blackthorne, too, are, are fun. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Is uh, she even makes Paul Blackthorne's character sort of interesting, which for me is a big thing because <laughs> I, I I think they should have killed him off a couple seasons ago. I find him Quentin. Yeah. I find him completely useless and boring. I hope maybe oh. you know with with the the uh, the Oliver Queen administration potentially coming up in season five, maybe they'll give him something to do that'll make him interesting. But as the cop on the edge who's skeptical of everything and keeps getting into trouble, I just like and his I, daughters I, keep getting murdered. Jason, yeah. He has a heart condition. Only when yeah. it's convenient. I'm coming for you. He's also the least observant (laughs) cop in the world, according to the first few seasons. He's got a lot on his mind. (sighs) What? He was in. Well, his daughters keep getting killed and coming back from the dead (laughs) and getting killed again and coming back from the dead and becoming assassins and bringing home girlfriends who are heir to the dragon. And it's just all very complicated. It's really tough life. I was going to say that I looking forward to season five. I am really kind of interested in the Oliver as the mayor of Star City arc which i believe was an arc in the the comics i don't know i just like the idea of balancing like we we got very little of oliver queen this season like it really was very centric on you know he's the green arrow right uh that's his identity and we didn't have have him balancing as much as he did in some of the early seasons and i think Uh, this is a new interesting wrinkle for that how do you fight crime and be the mayor i love that the secret identity wrinkle of like it's not just that he's a person with a secret identity he's the mayor of the city with and he's also a superhero Uh, that's that's Hard to get away with. It's great. I love yeah, it. How do I'm you looking sit forward your, to like it. police commissioner meetings when they're busy <laughs> running against vigilantes, and you're like, I am the prime offender. You're in the <laughs> city council meeting, and the police scanner goes off, and you're like, uh, guys, can we uh, table this for a little bit? I gotta go. But you have really specific crime stats. You're like, this guy got mugged last night. Like, what yeah. are you doing about that? Yeah. Uh, before we leave, Arrow, I will say I'm so happy there's as much John Barrowman as there is. Yeah, always happy when he shows up. He's not even a villain anymore. He's no really being Thea's father. He's a persistent nuisance more than anything else, which is enjoyable (laughs) with a smile. He's a special kind of helicopter parent. (laughs) (laughs) Bit of a tiger mom. Mm hmm. A little bit. All right, let's move on and talk about the Flash. Then the uh, the arrows uh, pair, and obviously the Flash cast uh, covered this well, uh, episode by episode. Um, I, I. I get the sense from everybody that the general feeling is that season two did not go as well as season one did. Would that be accurate to say? I'll let, I'll let you know when I finish it. Oh, man. Uh, That's generous. 
I have been thinking about this because part of the problem is it's they didn't have a very strong villain this season. Um, Zoom was mostly incomprehensible yeah. and um, a lot of his motivation was opaque at best. <laughs> and I feel like this, this season was a lot of drop potential and the things that were already problems emerging in season one were not addressed in season two. For example, the flash is a serious problem with its women characters and it only got worse this mm. year. So it was disappointing in that way. They didn't have a good big bad and, um, they try. I think they bit off more than they could chew with a bunch of the themes that they wanted to explore. I enjoyed watching parts of every episode, but uh, by the end of the season, I was like, okay, let's regroup. Let's pull back whoever's been doing double time on Legends of Tomorrow and just give them one job instead of two. <laughs> it was and a sophomore slump, and I blame, yeah. because I don't want to blame Flash, I blame that sucky show, Legends of Tomorrow, <laughs> for screwing up a great show, but who knows? Yeah, I, I early in the season, I was willing to chalk it up to uh, Legends of Tomorrow launching and that being a problem. But now you'd almost have to say, like, did they was there a brain drain or something that, that distracted them? I, I, and I'm starting to think that's too that's too much of an excuse for me to give yep. to them. The, the there, fact yes. is, there's a structural yes. issues there. Mm. Yeah. Weird pacing and a villain who, to go back to Damien Dark, a villain unlike Damien Dark, who <laughs> it, it has no clear plan or even, I mean, he just doesn't make sense. In fact, they keep seem, kept seem to change what he was up to. He disappears yes. for long. He's very fast. He can be anywhere immediately, but he disappears for long stretches of time where he seems to not be around only because it's inconvenient for him to be around, and there's never any explanation like i always i always said in our slack channel he he gets very hungry he goes to buffalo wild wings he's watching sports on the tv he eats like 80 plates of wings and then he comes back he does a dine and dash at buffalo wild wings the best explanation for zoom is buffalo wild wings and that is a problem is what i'm saying he's he's also inconvenient when he's around like in that one episode where they have to make the formula to steal barry's speed to give to him and he just sort of sits around and watches him do stuff I'm a scientist I, who will just watch you do science, and it's, that was, I think that may be the most awkward scene in that the was entire terrible. season. It where he's no just sense. like, "I'm hanging out. I'll tell you some things." That may be the same episode where he instructs his uh, one of his villains to attack to kill all the all the police at Jitters, but don't do it now. Do it do it tonight. Like, why wait? Like, what is there? Like, <laughs> is there like a policeman's meeting at Jitters? Is yeah. that how that works? It's prime time. You want the ratings in prime time, so you no, wait. It's just there's so much about that that's just so everything about Zoom is just baffling and incomprehensible because at the very beginning he's like, ah, oh, you're not a hero, Barry Allen, and he breaks his back, and it's all very dramatic, and you're like, oh, this is a guy with a real hate on for for moral codes, but by like the last. But by, by the finale, it's you have too many dads, and I'm angry that you had a better childhood, yeah. that you turned out better than mm. I did, and I'm going to kill your dad because that will make you evil. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah, they turned him into a what? crazy serial killer. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe I want you to be evil, or maybe I want to destroy the universe. It's unclear. Or maybe I just, <laughs> I just want your speed. I need it's... A peer. I'm well, so here's the thing. I think too things. much stuff was put to service of the of the twist, right? Like of the. Yeah. It worked really well in the first season where they had the sort of lurking dramatic irony of like we all know that that um, that Harrison Wells 
is evil, mm-hmm. and that slowly unfolded over the course of the season, right. uh, and yeah. that worked really well. And they felt like, hey, maybe like they went to sort of the M Night Shyamalan area of like, hey, we need a twist, and let's have like they they <laughs> talk about the fact that they like this is exactly what happened to him last year, mm-hmm. but that doesn't really absolve them from trying to use the exact same plot beats. And so I think too much was was made subservient to this idea of like we want to set up this Jay Garrick twist. I, I feel like this was an idea they had early on, and then they just had to like shove a lot of stuff into weird places to make that what they thought make that work. There's so many weird side tangents they t- they take yeah. that don't make any sense. I yeah. I kept waiting for there to be the scene where it's like where he takes Caitlin and shows her the Earth One Hunter Zolomon, like reading yeah. the book in the oh, park. Oh yeah, in the park, and that. That never that never goes anywhere. That never well, makes any sense. That yeah. scene was just there so comic book readers would go, "Oh, okay, so Jay Garrick is Professor Zoom then, because that's Hunter Zolomon is Professor Zoom, so you're tipping us off." And that's just not fair. It's not fair at all that they that they did that. Like <laughs> there I is mean, no fan justice service. Well, <laughs> look, there's street justice, and I there's only one guy that I know that does street justice right. So let's just be honest. It's Daredevil. But anyway, the uh, so I want to praise some things about the Flash, though, because although I think they totally blew it on the on the arc and the villain. Um, what I think they did well is in the multiverse concept. They did. They yeah. had a lot of fun playing with doppelgangers. I thought they did a really mm-hmm. good job with the doppelgangers. I thought they did a fantastic, creative job of giving Tom Cavanaugh a yes. different Harrison <laughs> Wells to play. He, he did a great. great job with the second Harrison yeah. Wells. It's a very I distinct character from Yobard Thon. MVP to Tom Cavanaugh. He he really owned it. In season one, you had the evil Harrison Wells who was friendly. And yeah. then for season two, they have the mean Harrison Wells, who is good. Yeah. <laughs> and as long as they can keep trotting Tom Cavanaugh out, I'm going to be happy. Yes. Well, like in season right. two, he learns how to be a real boy. And in season one, <laughs> Yobard Thon is like, I didn't want to actually like you people. And that I, 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 Tom Cavanaugh can play the heck out of those scenes, so he can do this. I really like Jesse Martin's work this season. And uh, I liked when... They introduced the son he never knew he had, and mm-hmm. although the the street racing plot was really dumb, like really dumb, mm-hmm. um, they I, I think after Wally's weird weirdish introduction, I like that things were awkward with him and Barry at first, and I like how they become less so until by the end, Wally's like, no, we're we're part of the same family, and I liked that a lot. Uh, I still feel like Iris is is just nobody mm. in the writers room has adopted no. her yet, though. Oh, uh, I well. It's so frustrating. I, I, I watch this show every week with my girlfriend, and she is incensed every week and likes to point out every week the flaws in that. And, and, and you know, to give credit, when they do occasionally do a good job, um, she liked in particular, I think the episode is the second time that he's lost his speed, the one with the mm-hmm. zombie girder. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> like she, they, they actually, that was like one of the better episodes this season, I felt like. Uh, and she felt that they actually gave her, you know, agency and stuff to do in that episode. Uh, also, the episode, her doppelganger in particular, I feel like was a lot of fun. Um, so I, I, but overall, both her and Caitlin, who is just, you know, Caitlin, just perennial, like her love interest is going to be evil slash murdered. <laughs> like, <laughs> boyfriend is the drummer of Spinal Tap. (laughs) Iris. Fundamentally, she and Barry were raised as brother and sister. She can't be the love interest. That's gross. Stop it. The Flash is supposed to be a happy four-color 
cheerful world. Yeah, I agree you with you. Can't do that. And, and Iris loses all of her her agency. And there's that terrible scene where she and Caitlin are talking, and it is the anti Bechdel test scene because all <laughs> yes. they're talking about is Barry. They have all this other stuff going on in their lives, and literally what Iris is saying is, "Well, you know, I've always sort of been vaguely interested in Barry, but not. But now that I've oh. seen that in parallel universes and potential futures oh, we're together, geez. I guess I should just give up and settle for Barry." Oh, that's it's so like. Weird. Destiny. Oh, it's like the God. worst Futurama episodes. It's it's awful. Like I hate that she's like, well, since somebody saw a holographic newspaper where I had a different byline, and people have come <laughs> back from this parallel universe when told me that I'm married to Barry, and we're apparently quite happy. Uh-huh. Like I, I, Iris, you're a reporter. Check the primary sources and just yeah. She's such a great reporter making- that she dates her boss. <laughs> Like, oh, we, God, oh, oh, my God, that was oh, the, the worst. That yeah. guy, yeah, but we'll drop oh that. My yeah, no, my head is exploding. I have to work this out. It's awful because the boss is the one who's egregiously inappropriate, like, all the way down the line. Like, he crosses the line at every opportunity. Like, oh, I was unaware this is an actual legitimate professional conversation. I thought that we were here so I could put the moves on you. And as if that's not bad enough, the end of the episode, she's, she's like, well, I wouldn't mind if you made a pass at me, which, no, yeah. no, yeah. no, It's not good. No, what if, no, can I, let no, me, all right, no, let me make oh, this suggestion for season three what if we just somehow like what if this iris mysteriously goes mysteriously goes missing and we get earth Two iris over here and it's oh like okay God. look you solve a lot of problems she wasn't raised with barry so they can be love interest right. sure. except that she's gonna miss her husband barry whatever he we can he just die get <laughs> totally <laughs> back on the way back to his home planet oh yeah. it's like so it's like it's like the black canary play where the first black canary actually like ends up widowed and bereaved and that's how she falls <laughs> arms in the so here's one of the things that I think is interesting about about the Flash and Arrow. So Arrow Arrow is a show where they don't have any uh, mentors, right? He All he's out there doing it himself. That Chinese dude from the island. With Felicity and, yeah, the <laughs> island. Uh, with Felicity <laughs> and, and with uh, and with Diggle, he's got he's got a good support system who works with him. On The Flash, it's diff- It's a different scenario. He's got his dads, as Lisa says, my three dads, science dad <laughs> and police dad and prison dad who became released from prison log cabin and then dead dad. Um, dead Rolling dad. Stone oh, dad. dead dad. Dad, but so sad. but so sad dad dad but uh, so and that part of the show I think works great right I mean we could say Tom Cavanaugh and Jesse L. Martin again they're like the MVPs of that show yeah. they really anchor uh, Grant Gustin's Barry Allen it's really good the problem with The Flash is that they have some issues with a lot of the supporting characters they've done some good rehab on Cisco who got who got some vibe powers this year and that was really good but yeah Caitlin and Iris are, uh, are, are, are in trouble and it means that again yes what we've got is in fact Jesse Quick actually I thought was a more yeah. interesting and ha- female character with depth than the two characters that we've had for two seasons now which is painful so i don't know what they're going to do next season i hope they get it i hope they get it back together because when that show is fun and happy um it is the best and i i don't know quite why they went so far off the rails what if too much we angst. reset everything and start over hmm. <laughs> again yeah. love it <laughs> uh tony i love it i love that idea let's do that because remember Everything you've been talking about, especially Jason, you have talked about everything that we liked about season one. In fact, the things that we loved about season one. How would you feel about just watching a season that's all of season one? But Barry doesn't have any powers. (laughs) I don't think I want to do that. And I suspect they don't want to do it either. But every scene is the same. So it's just running at human speed. It's just a procedural. (laughs) 
He'll jog a lot. Does it seem like maybe the part at the at the very end of this season was intended as like, oh crap, we just wrote ourselves into like yeah. a terrible season. Let's just quick pull the ripcord. Well, yeah. I love that though. One, one thing <laughs> that makes the Flash appealing to me is that they're willing to go for it. Like I felt like that in season one where they were like, okay, I don't know what we're supposed to do. All right, hit the big red button for alternate universes already, but no, hit it. Boom, go crazy. (laughs) For me, that's Cisco's role on the show is he's there to remind people, this is a full-on comic book show. We're going nuts as often as possible, which is kind of why I still enjoy The Flash more than Arrow, where it took them four seasons to say, well, we we could just call him Green Arrow, right? Like, people won't laugh at us. There's a build. All right, let's uh, let's move on from the Berlandiverse for a little while and go to some other re, uh, returning shows, some shows that are not uh, not were not new in the past year. Uh, mm-hmm. Let's check in before we before we leave the DC Comics world behind. Let's check in at, with Gotham on Fox. Hey, I haven't. <laughs> I gave up on it in season one. I heard a lot of people say season two is better. Who out there has seen Gotham and would like to talk about Gotham? I have a unhealthy relationship with all Batman properties. Hello, <laughs> I'm Tony Sidlar. Hi, Tony. Uh, hi. I'm still watching Gotham. I, yeah. It's it's actually it's better. Uh, I don't know why I stayed with it, but I'm glad that it got. I'm glad that it stopped punishing before that. Yeah. Um, it's not as many shows in the next season. Some of the shows that it, it continues to be uh, are actually kind of <laughs> wacky and fun. Um, yeah. And I think it, it may have found its, uh, its groove. Uh, I'm, I, I, I'm interested to see where it's going. It's, it, it is not the crazy garbage pile. Instead, okay. it is <laughs> like it's a spectacular train wreck. A train wreck is on rails. The first half of the season I thought was still not fantastic, but sometimes they came back after like that mid-season hiatus, and I really felt like they had like we we picked a lane basically, <laughs> like we've decided which of eight million different shows that we want to be. We're going to focus on this thing. Everything was kind of related, which actually really helped. Um, everything sort of fo- focused around this idea of Arkham Asylum and and Hugo Strange, and that really unified a lot of storylines, brought a lot of characters into contact who rather than having them all off in their different stories. Um, B.D. Wong as Hugo Strange, <laughs> talk about uh, Damien Dark. He was fantastic. Yes. He was really good. Another good scenery chewing. Um, I continue to enjoy uh, Harvey Bullock. I will always enjoy Donald Logue in pretty much anything he does. He's great. He has. I really enjoy that the AV Club reviews of him just have every week a never mind the Bullocks section where they just have his wackiest quote of the week. They really cut back on him this season, though, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, a little sad, but he's still around, which is good. Uh, and I enjoy. Uh, I also enjoy uh, Sean Pertwee as as Alfred. I really. Uh, he's kind of a he's a very different Alfred, I think, from the one that we're used to, and he's he's definitely fun to watch. Especially there was some episode where he got into like a like a street fight with a guy. Uh, named, was his name like Cupcake or something? Yes, <laughs> that was amazing. That was a really great episode. <laughs> one thing that I have enjoyed about this season is that. In the first episode, in the pilot episode of Gotham, you saw the Riddler, and he was introduced by saying, essentially, hi, I'm Edward Nygma. Riddle me this. Yes, I enjoy Riddle. I'm going to turn into. I liked him in season one. I thought he was overdoing it season one. In season two, I love that guy. He is so great now. There's a scene towards the end of the season where Selena Kyle is breaking yes. into Arkham Asylum <laughs> while he is trying to break out and they're both in the vents and they bump into each other and they don't really know each other. So he's like, you're that cat burglar girl. She's like, you're that 
police forensics guy? Do you know where you're going? Uh, yeah, over there. Okay, well, see ya. And it's such a fun scene. I enjoy when he gets caught red-handed uh, trying to dig up a corpse in the woods. Yeah. And he's just like, ah, crap. <laughs> yep. Um, he's great. Uh, Penguin is great at this point. I, I've really enjoyed Penguin. Penguin's sidekick, Butch. Yes. <laughs> is really great. Like, there's a lot of really fun villains on this show, which is what you want. It's what I want. Well, and they, they sort of... I, I thought that the whole introduction of Theo Gallivan in the first half of the season was kind of weak. Uh, and then they basically, like, off him and then bring him back as Azrael, which is super weird, but also kind of hilarious. <laughs> yeah, well, one thing that was great about Hugo Strange was he was bringing people back to life and he was brainwashing people. And you realize he's actually pretty bad at this. Yes. <laughs> like, he was brainwashing people to be to no longer be sociopaths and sending them out into the world and inside of two scenes they're like oh wait no i'm, I'm a sociopath never mind science is not an exact science monty <laughs> <laughs> i think gotham got weird and fun sometime during the second season i'm gonna have to go watch it now yeah. darn you I was also happy because I thought at the start of season two, like, oh, it looks like they might do the Court of Owls. And then it looked like they wouldn't. And now it looked like they did it again. So if you've read the comics, that's extra exciting. I will say my least favorite part of the show is Bruce Wayne. It, partly okay, so Batman's in it. No, young Bruce Wayne. He's like 13 or so. Oh. And the problem is that he keeps wanting to go do batman things. Like, yeah. I'm going to go live on the streets so I know what it's like out there. So I understand crime. And Alfred says... Well, young Master Bruce, you work for I work for you, so even though I'm your legal guardian, I can't stop you. Bye. Well, and I think that the fundamental problem of this show is I think I mentioned last season is a if this show ends with Bruce Wayne becoming Batman, then fundamentally nothing in this show has really mattered <laughs> because if the whole point is like, you know, you're fo- they spend so much time focused on Jim Gordon and Jim Gordon's attempt to sort of like clean up the city when in fact it's really just about the downward spiral and corruption yeah, of he's Gotham not, City. He's not doing a great job. No, <laughs> he's really no. not. Jim Gordon he's has really- one of the weaker stories lines this year in some yeah. ways also like his career doesn't make any sense so well he doesn't have a career he's been in jail a couple of times and he just quit and left town also it, it makes it does make me a little concerned that by the time in the gotham u- universe when bruce wayne actually becomes batman like all of his villains are like elderly they're, they're way too elderly to really be successful maybe so. maybe jim gordon will become batman for a while here because I know that happened in the comics that recently. In the comics. Yeah, there's so. no need for Batman in this world. This Riddler is not so subtle that they need a super genius to solve what he's saying. <laughs> let's uh, let's leave Gotham behind. Although I am intrigued by the fact that it that it got better. Um, and talk about some of the Marvel properties: Agents of Shield for its what is this the fourth season of the, Agents of yeah. Shield? Something like that. That feels right. And then uh, we'll we'll uh, talk about season two of Agent, Agent Carter too. So Agents of Shield. Ooh, yeah. Um, how was money at it? How 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 was it? How was it? I I've seen the first half of the season and I haven't seen the second half yet. But you know, don't worry about me. But I'm I'm just kind of curious how how do people think uh, think it went? It had some really good scenes. Um, overall, it felt weird and disappointing because Kyle MacLachlan was no longer on the show, being awesome. Right. But for instance, they wrote uh, the characters of Hunter and Bobby off the show because they thought they were going to get a a spinoff spinoff, yeah. which they then didn't get Tw- twice, I think. <laughs> yeah. But the scene where they've been disavowed and this time for real and no one can ever talk to them again. That episode ended with a really, really good scene. Totally agree. Uh, where they were 
Hunter and Bobby are in a bar, and they look around, and they see every other member of the team, and they all raise their glasses. Yeah, it, it's it's funny, because then if you decide, because they didn't get a spinoff, that they need to be back on the show, walking that scene back really cheapens it. Yeah. <laughs> Just suck back those tears, baby. <laughs> I gave up on the show halfway through the season, so I just... They, it does seem like it took them three and a half years to get to embrace the fact that superpowered people were 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 um, part of the universe. Like, this was the... Sort of like what we were saying about Gotham. It's like, uh, hey, you know what's great about the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Not the superhero part. And uh, But finally, with with S.H.I.E.L.D., um, they they sort of embrace that with the Inhumans plot and having uh, Sky slash Daisy, you know, have her... It's just Daisy. Have her... Uh, yeah, I know. But for those who gave up, which is half of the people, uh, she used to be Sky, but now they call her Daisy because of uh, character laundering. So she's got earthquake powers. I strongly believe that you call someone by the name they wish to be called. Her name is Daisy Johnson. Yes, it which is. Which was actually... I, that was actually an interesting plot line as some characters kept forgetting mm-hmm. and she would Mainly get madder Coulson, at her. Yeah. Yes. And when she went to uh, Grant Ward, who is now dead and possessed by an ancient evil alien inhuman that maybe mm-hmm. the reason Hydro was formed in the first place or possibly not. That seems like a stretch that they pulled back. He kept calling her Sky. And even though she was now brainwashed by him, she kept correcting him, which I thought was really fun. Uh, I did like that episode, and I know a lot of people praise it. There was that episode that it focuses on the uh, the the, the uh, on the alien planet where they where uh, yeah was it Simmons. is it Simmons is is trapped on the alien planet with the astronaut, and there's a monster, and it was a nice change up the blue the blue planet, the planet where there's never any sun, yes. it's just blue light all mm-hmm. the time. That was, was a good super episode. Cool. Yeah, that was a really good. I agree. Episode. Yeah. Um, it's hard to, I mean, obviously it's hard to pull off something like that every single week because it's, you know, specifically set up to like break the formula. Sure. Um, but it, it is really nice that they've shown the confidence to be able to do that. I think some of the action scenes came up a bit this, this year. I think they did a, a nicer job with some of those, especially adding the powers into the mix. There's a pretty good fight later on that involves, um, Daisy using her powers, uh, which is a pretty, is really, really well choreographed. There's a couple nice twists and turns in terms of like um, uh, sort of how they deal with the eventual villain problems uh, and like manage to tie up like another plot line at the same time. Um, And I think that there's there's some solid character work here and there from I really like Mac. I know he is not the most popular of characters, but I really enjoy him. He's great. I I know a lot of people who don't like him, but I I really enjoy him, Uh, especially he's right. Yeah. His ongoing quest for a uh, shotgun axe. Which he got <laughs> which is in the, the final episode. It looks great. Like he, he gets one earlier on that he just like tapes an axe yeah. to a shotgun, <laughs> which is pretty great, too. Uh, that was a really... I like. actually really like that episode with him and his brother. I thought that was a good oh, episode. Yeah. Yep. Um, so yep. there's some really solid character work. It's, it's an uneven show in some ways, and it doesn't quite hit the the lows or the highs that say Gotham hits like Gotham is like wildly uneven. Mm. Um, and, and agent agents of shield, I think wavers a little more, like a little less from that center line, right? Like it's, it's may not be quite as good, but it's also definitely not quite as like terrible in its worst <laughs> moments. See, and Dan, I've caught, you know, what you said is perfect is the unevenness. And I've said this before and I've caught heat for it, which is that Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is a weird name, but is um, essentially a kind of a carry through or a, you know, a little bit of a booster for any Marvel main movie. Like, 
For example, this season was Civil War. Right, which doesn't, and it, it doesn't good, like, find itself as beholden as much as it did, say, in its <sighs> first season with Winter Soldier, where it was like, you oh, really, boy. the show, yeah. it just, like, tanked its first half because it felt like it had to be there for that twist. And that twist was awesome, but the show before that was very mediocre. And it doesn't, it hasn't hitched quite as much to that in the subsequent seasons. I think they realized that's problematic. But the other problem is, as the, even the lead, I believe, Chloe Bennett said recently, like, doesn't seem like the movies care at all about what happens on the shows. And that's definitely uncomfortable when you feel like, why did you make this such a big part of your whole like transmedia property if you're not going to make it matter at all? Yeah, that was a huge problem for me because in Civil War, there's a lot of talk. Danger, I'm going to talk about a giant movie. There's a lot of talk about <laughs> the bad things that superheroes do. And nobody mentions the word inhuman. Which is weird because according to the television show, Inhumans are the most important thing anybody talks about. And the president of the United States is constantly giving press conference to talk about the Inhuman problem. So the movies don't mention anything that happens on the TV show. In practical terms, because the uh, movies and TV shows are now being operated by different groups, essentially the Marvel TV shows have sheared off from the Marvel movies, and they're not even in the same universe anymore. And Joss Whedon said with Age of Ultron that uh, as far as he was concerned, uh, you know, that that Coulson was dead in Age of Ultron. Yeah. Well, except that every time a movie comes out, they have to spend half of the next next episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., talking about the movie yeah. yeah so they keep kept turning to each other and saying how about that sokovian accord huh <laughs> yeah. i know right <laughs> and the netflix you yeah. know the netflix series for whatever you know basically get to do their own thing completely which is i think fine like you know because the netflix series have done a good job of remaining like they're very geographically limited and so you feel like maybe the stuff there doesn't doesn't make the headlines as much worldwide necessarily yeah well they're the Netflix shows have the sense to stay restrained in their exactly. power level. That's yeah. it right there, Monty. And that's what I meant by Arrow punching above its weight. Yeah, Most of the Netflix series stay within their um, specific atmosphere. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So let's talk about Agent Carter. Uh, season two and final of Agent Carter. Uh, uh, what, what, do, what do people think of, of this one? I love this show. Yes. Seconded. Third, third fourth. I, I lost count. The motion carries. Okay. It shouldn't have gotten canceled. We, so resolved it is by the incomparable that the Agent Carter is good <laughs> and thus canceled. To be fair, it does require expensive uh, vintage cars and cool out- sure. old outfits. Tough to do a period TV show. Yeah, which is fantastic, TV by the way. Etsy exists for a reason. You can get all sorts of vintage crap for cheap on the internet. <laughs> oh, my God. Marvel's Agents of Etsy. <laughs> I could totally watch that show, actually. <laughs> it's the best looking TV show out there. You know those people who make those those tactical uniforms that they're running around in every week on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? They totally have some mad craft skills. They're probably secretly funding the organization through a Nazi shop. The Agent Carter ratings weren't very good, and I, I totally get that. Although I, I do wonder if this wouldn't have been a better Netflix kind of show, given the short run and the fact that it's a period piece and all of those things. And I get why not everybody is going to want to watch a period piece about a about a, a secret agent in the Marvel Universe. But, uh, oh well. I think it should have been a Netflix show. I think that would have been great. I think they did a lot of things right this season. I thought the transplant to L.A. was a lot of fun. Uh, it definitely, like, you know added some pep to the show there were some like conspiracy stuff going on um Haley atwell is fantastic i really enjoy james darcy as well as 
uh, Edmund Jarvis. Uh, I liked his wife. They had a lot of great supporting characters. Yeah. Whitney Frost was a fun villain. Like Howard Stark is awesome. Mm-hmm. I really do enjoy him. Yeah, he quite a but bit. But Howard he's, Stark is gone now. He's off somewhere else doing another comic book show. Yep. Um, but they, I mean, there were a lot of great ingredients here. I'm, I'm kind of. It's one of those shows. There are a lot of shows I watch, and I'm like, okay, I can see why maybe that didn't catch on. I'm kind of baffled by this one. I think you know, and Jason's reasons are as good as any for why that's the case. But it does just seem like this was far and away the best comic book show on broadcast. When you told me the show got canceled and that Gotham was like the, the one of the more popular shows on the channel it's in. I thought you were like like it was just like this is a trick. I'm being set up for some kind of fall. <laughs> I wouldn't do that to you, Tony. <laughs> Tony troll. I, I what what is wrong with the world, people? Look. I, I How do we that fix just, it? it does not does not compute. I will briefly say that I have finally forgiven the show for having a waitress who worked at an automat. <laughs> <laughs> She, I like that she, they, they do a nice job of that one episode she's in in a dream sequence. Yeah. Uh, I actually really enjoyed that with the singing and the dancing. It was fun. Like, uh, yeah, the show was good. I enjoyed the uh, brief appearances of Dottie Underwood. I love Dottie Underwood Obviously so having to much. teen up with her and uh, having her still be kind of evil. Yeah, great. I just, yes. the show is a winner. Dottie's the greatest. The fight choreography on Agent Carter is the best fight choreography, I'm going to say, of the broadcast comic books there and you Daredevil go. is fantastic I, I would agree with there that there you go there you go there you go they used the fight styles of each character to convey who they were when you had uh Peggy Carter fighting she's straightforward she punches you in the face you grab something heavy she whacks you with it but then when she's facing Dottie who was trained by the Black Widow school like Natasha Romanov in the Avengers she's doing all sorts of weird flips and running up walls and stuff and I really like that thought was put into not just how do we make this fight look cool, but how would each of these characters fight? Mm-hmm. And sure. you've got like a Daniel, uh, I've forgotten his last name now, um, you know, who's got like a cane. And so it has to like yeah. hit people with a cane. I don't know. You get, Yeah, they do a really good job of tailoring all those scenes. I really enjoyed the, the episode where they have to break into the lab where the bomb is. And they, ha- they recruit sort of the terrible misfit like group of people because they can't tell anybody. And so they've got like the, the science guy and the, uh, the secretary from the like front. Yeah. When you mentioned fighting styles, actually something that came to mind, which is Marvel's Daredevil, which had season two on Netflix, which I think similarly did a good job at having uh, sort of different fighting styles for different, different characters. Also, there were lots of ninjas. Um, oh boy, and and, <laughs> and some you know I, I we're now now the TV podcast about Daredevil is still going on, so I don't want to give away any spoilers about how everybody's going to feel about. Let's go that. ahead and do it. Let's mm-hmm. go ahead and spoil some things because you know, Jason, you and I were going to talk about this. Yep, we still are. We're gonna. It's going to happen. Right. We're going to talk right. about it. You know, Daredevil. I'm going to say you know above most people, I'm a big fanboy to Daredevil. So. In my mind, he can't do any wrong. However, <laughs> this season, it's like I've been kind of shot through the heart two times. By the Punisher? Yeah. The, the Punisher was probably one of the coolest things in this one. Which is so weird. That's, that's a sense that we would yeah. say, like, oh, the Punisher is cool. But he's that's, right. I agree. Yeah, yeah, I agree. The Punisher was handled with great care, I thought, and was way better than I thought. Because you, you and I talked about how I, I was... 
I was really down on the idea of even putting the Punisher in. He, to me, right. is like the worst of 90s comics where it's like the celebration of nihilism. And instead, the way John Bernthal portrayed him, the way that they wrote him, he is exactly who the Punisher is supposed to be, which is a completely messed up guy who is not a, not even really an anti-hero. He is a villain, um, but he's sort of like trapped in his own villainy because of the terrible things that have happened to him. And I thought they did a great job with that character. And they didn't disguise it. Uh, Jason, you and I talked about this in person, too, and I think we came to consensus that magic and ninjas were kind of eh, no es bueno but um, the Punisher I liked that a lot I liked watching um, the law firm fall apart this year and yes. I liked watching it was Foggy. very painful well, yeah. it I, it was a great breakup though, because uh, c- you could see both sides of it. Um, I I enjoyed how many people repeatedly called Matt Murdock out on his on his nonsense. Like Claire mm-hmm. Temple, every single one of her scenes is Matt. If you weren't such an idiot, and he'd be like, I know, and then he'd go and do something dumb. And um, I enjoyed I enjoyed Foggy's arc as as little as they gave that character to do. You know. The stuff that he did was great, especially when he's grappling with, with you know, the fact that Matt is kind of a bonkers vigilante. Yeah. Um, the only thing that doesn't ring true to me is Karen Page's arc over the course of the, the season. But I like that she was kind of quietly grappling with, you know, having shot somebody from season one all on her own. Right. And um, I like that no matter what she does, she's just fixated on making sure that the truth gets out there because in her mind, the truth is what sets people free. And uh, and she'll fight for that. I'm sure we, a lot of us being, you know, having worked in the journalism industry, have some complaints about some of that arc. Overall, though, I agree that the yeah. giving her something to do is good. Like, that's something that's not just revolving around being a love interest. I think that's... I think that uh, yep. Deborah Ann Wall is a good actress, and I oh, think yeah. that she they give her a lot of stuff to do in this season, which is great. Um, but, yeah, it's tricky trying to navigate that because you have fundamentally a character who you've already explained is like, well, they're not really, you know, they're not qualified to be a lawyer. Maybe mm-hmm. they could be a journalist in the like narrow definition of journalism that we have yeah, in the series. Weird. Okay, yeah. but like yeah. it's a little weird. Um but I, I thought they handled that well. I will also put a plug in because I really enjoy Scott Glenn as Stick, even though he's mm-hmm. a total and utter asshole <laughs> he's just terrible he's terrible uh, but i love him so much i see i think they i think they misused that character this year i liked him last year this year i kind of i kind of i like the actor and i like i like his portrayal but i thought that they that he got dragged down in this whole morass of like magic black star or whatever black sun uh fate ninja uh big you know pit stealing blood from people making zombie ninjas and stuff like that which I, I I get that that comes a lot of that stuff is just mo- strip mined from the Frank Miller era of Daredevil, but uh, I don't totally, especially given what we got last season, which was really about you know the kingpin. It was about a criminal organization trying to trying to set up and and uh, and uh, Matt fighting them. That this season t- takes this turn with when Electra comes yeah. on screen, and you end up oh, with boy. some good ninja fights. I thought some <laughs> of the I thought the 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 fight where the ninjas surround the hospital um, was a was a pretty great sequence but magic ninjas endless supplies of magic ninjas is to me not what daredevil was like it wasn't listed in the ingredients on the side of the box and i totally rejected it i just i basically was like this is nonsense and even though i would totally accept zombie ninjas and a magic pit and some sort of chosen one that is happening in maybe some other show that sort of like set up that that's what it was about. Let's, if we were to call it like Iron Fist, for example. Exactly. 
exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But in Daredevil, I'm like, no, no, you don't get to do this. You don't get to to just sort of sweep this out from under me. Um, and also like taking the Punisher story and then and then just kind of pivoting into this. I, I, that, that's the part that just uh, I found really unfortunate. I liked when the Punisher went to prison and talked to talked to the Kingpin and broke out of oh. prison. I thought that was all actually pretty awesome. And when that Matt goes to, to see Vincent oh. D'Onofrio, I thought that was really great. Yep. But overlaying mm-hmm. that last half of the season, you got these magic ninjas, and I just don't no. care. I just don't <laughs> yeah. care. So many of them too. Many night of a million billion ninjas. I know. I yeah. mean, the Tick was making fun of those comics thirty years ago, and <laughs> yep. here it is. Yep. They still did. They still did it. Yeah, Stuart Wellington in the Medusa configuration often cites, you know, you can have one ninja that's super powerful, but as you add ninjas, they get less yeah. powerful. There's an equation you can do that it all it mm-hmm. all works out. That, that, that just yeah. ultimately when you have a hundred ninjas, <laughs> there's there's the law of diminishing ninja returns. The one thing that? I like about the zombie ninjas is it does explain why they're so bad and so easy to kill. Yeah, is that they're not they're they're zombies and they're but they're tricky for Matt because he can't hear them. Yeah. Yes, I have always been a huge fan of the hundredth ninja to run into a scene. After you just saw your ninety-nine best pals get beat up by the hero, mm-hmm. the last guy who was like, "But I'm going to get him." I got this. They, they've they've softened him up for me. Also, I like the ninja's fighting style because it's not uh it's not honorable in some way to like everybody gang up on the hero at once and kill him. They they wait and let like those guys have got it. I'll just stand back here and wait. Oh. Now they're all dead. I guess it's my turn instead of just swarming him and killing him, which is also just, right. you know, good job, ninjas. Way to go. Yeah. Yeah. It's really hard to fight as a group effectively, but they're ninjas and should be good at that. <laughs> so what I'm saying is season two of Daredevil, not as good as season one. That's my review. That's right. I'm not I'm not as negative on ninjas as Jason is, but I agree that they're it does feel it was very bifurcated because the Punisher stuff was so good and the ninja stuff was less good. I actually thought the actress who played Elektra was pretty good. I didn't think, I think they had some problems with the stuff they wrote for her. She's murder pixie dream girl. Yeah. No, but I thought, I thought she, I, again, I think the portrayal of her as opposed to the stuff that was written for her versus I thought the actress was very competent um, and did some great stunt work. I thought she was believable in what they wrote for her. I don't necessarily agree with the way that they took her character, but, you know, that's that's another issue. I, I liked how she vexes Matt at the beginning when she comes back. I think that that was actually hearkening back to some of the best stuff in season one, where Matt is really challenged about, are you going to do this? Who are you going to be? And, and, and now he decides who he's going to be, and then she comes in and sort of upsets all of that. I thought that initial interaction between them was really good, but very rapidly it becomes clear that she's just kind of a crazy person who's going to do crazy things she's the crazy ex-girlfriend if you will if only there were more musical numbers um (laughs) and uh it's not uh, it's not good one of the things if there's a complaint to have about the the women on the show here i am making the woman complaint is that there was just such a, a good girl bad girl thing going on between um Electra as oh she's bad and she te- she brings out Matt's baser impulses and she disregards his morality and she pushes him to more and more extremes and encourages him to disregard society and then on the other side of that you've got oh there's this beautiful blonde woman that I work with and I'm dating her and I don't want to ask her up because this is the most beautiful pure thing in my life and part of me is like oh come on you know you don't need that the dichotomy doesn't have to be that sharp and Claire Temple navigated it beautifully and yeah. I don't understand why I don't understand why it had to be such a stark contrast like why Electra wasn't allowed more grace and development as a person um, you know like early days with stick notwithstanding she seemed pretty stock and caricaturish to me mm-hmm. oh, she's yeah. awesome 
And, um, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, I didn't, I, I get what she was supposed to do because she exists to, uh, propel Matt's story forward and have him sever the ties to the street life he had set up with the law firm and have him, you know, decide, well, screw Catholicism, I'm, I'm on my own on this one and all that. Um, I get she was supposed to push him to the next plateau and then season three is going to be presumably him figuring out that that's not working out so well for him. But we don't get much of a sense of her as a person beyond that. And, and she and she's basically, everything I do, I'm doing because I have these feelings for you. And I want you to feel this way. And it's all for you, Matthew. And you're just like, really? Really? <laughs> you're beautiful. You're rich. You're well-connected. And you literally have nothing better to do than to construct your entire inner life around your ex-boyfriend? It didn't work for me. That's, is that what women do? <laughs> <laughs> a nice one. <laughs> I, I don't know. Is that what hey. they do? It seems like it. Can I, can I give a quick thumbs up to uh, my favorite supporting player? of this season who was the uh melvin potter um uh, the guy yes. who makes daredevil's armor i just really enjoy him he's he's a bizarre character but i like him they rebooted his armor it was great i like madame gao i cheered when madame gao came back oh she's so yeah crisp. she's fun too i like her yeah. i loved all of her scenes in season one i loved her scenes here mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i have a question about daredevil not having watched this season or to be honest the last half of the first season shame on you i have a lot to do I understand there are some problems with the journalism in this show. Yes. How does it rank compared to the journalism on Flash and Supergirl? <laughs> it is more realistic than either of those, I would say. Yeah, I was going to agree with that. With okay. the exception of the fact that you don't get an office like your first day on the job. Yeah. No. Well, it's no, it's but... not. It's not. She doesn't get an office. She gets Ben Urich's old office that is still sort of the the shrine, shrine. to the murdered. Yeah. Uh, oh, sorry. Spoilers for season one of Daredevil, we Monty. Know. We, we all know so many journalists. <laughs> they would have had a shrine for 15 minutes and then like three copy editors yeah, would have moved in there so that they could talk smack about people's grammar. They don't have the money in journalism to leave an office empty as a shrine. No. That is not a thing that anyone is doing it's basically a closet but anyway uh, but it's still more realistic than either supergirl or uh <laughs> yep. agreed or Arrow. so let's talk about or flash. flash so let's talk about uh supergirl then we're gonna move on to some new shows here at the end uh supergirl on this on uh on cbs but uh and everybody said hey that's weird why wouldn't that be on the cw and then at the end of the season cbs said hey that's weird why doesn't it go to the cw and so it will be on the cw this fall <laughs> dear greg bernanti We've noticed that she's not solving a murder every single episode. Yeah. Please fix or we're sending you to the CW. Love, CBS. Yep, that's pretty much it. So Supergirl for it was season... a weird fit for CBS. It, it, I, I don't know. I think they wanted to try it and just see what would happen. And the fact is, it got better ratings than any show on the CW. And it, 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 it'll be interesting to see how its ratings hold up. It may have been a brilliant way to launch a CW show. Put, a, put it on CBS for a year and then make the audience find it on the other network. I don't know. Is that true? It got better. It got better ratings. Yeah, the Supergirl's ratings uh, numerically are, are were low for CBS, but they were higher than any individual show on the CW. The CW is not a very popular network. Yeah, it's crazy, but the big three networks still matter somehow. Yeah, there are people who are not watching superhero stuff. How is that possible? I know it's it is well now. CW has got a god. They may have to change their name to the Superhero Channel because they're going to have superhero stuff on it basically every night of the week. Um, so, what do people think of uh, of Supergirl? Um, I will give I will give my thumbnail sketch, which is I felt like it uh, took a while for it to find its way, but it still had a sunny, 
uh, innocent, fun quality throughout that uh, the Flash had in season one that I really liked. I don't there think it, it is. I don't think it emerged <laughs> as fully formed as the Flash. I think it really struggled to figure out what it wanted to be. They made they introduced a whole bunch of stuff in the pilot that they spent the entire first year walking back and figuring out how to break so that they could go somewhere else. But I think the last half of it for me, uh, it really started to shape up and they started to figure out what the what the show wanted to be and it, and it ended a lot stronger than it started. That's my can I say I, I did have my my fanboy freak out came when they actually they actually were like oh my god you're actually going to make this Hank Henshaw character John Jones yeah, oh, yeah. Was so and I was like oh my god you're actually going to do this this is amazing that was one of their things they walked back right yeah because he was supposed to be a villain yeah and they just changed it and they're like this isn't working because they liked I think they liked David Harewood too yeah good actor. Mm-hmm. Totally boring character in a total who works in a totally boring place. The government's the DEO, which is the most boring thing. Um, <laughs> and uh, and they they like they spent the whole season like extracting characters from the stupid DEO because it was dumb and they should never have done it. And and they saved that actor from playing that stupid character and said, "How about you be the Martian Manhunter instead?" All right, yeah, let's do that. It was also a smart move because it gives him a way to connect to Kara and a way to connect to um, Alex, because yeah. he and Alex have he and Alex have the professional relationship. Exactly, and then the deeper ties because he's responsible for them and watching out for him. But he and Kara are 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 basically you know refugees in a strange world, and they they have a peer to peer relationship that Alex is never going to have. And I enjoy that that differentiation comes out on screen and it allows for two different types of relationships to happen, even when there's three people in a room. I'd say he's all he's almost like a mentor to both of them, too, which which gives you that flash mentor feel a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. more than that, like he's a mentor in a way that they sort of sub him in for a lot of places where they I guess they could have sort of had Superman, but they didn't really didn't want to do Superman in the first. Right. Season. Yeah. And so yeah. they have him filling that role in a lot of places like, hey, I'm a powered guy who's been around on the block a little bit and like i can sort of you know help lead you and um down this path or whatever but i'm not superman so you don't have to like there's not like so much of a shadow cast there right um but yeah i, I liked that i i guess i in apparently this is where all the writing team female characters went to because this show is <laughs> replete with good female characters yeah. oh my god uh, i love cat grant so much I, every time something <laughs> falls out of her mouth i am just clapping my hands in delight and it could have been so bad and it's not like like the writing is good Callista Flockhart mm-hmm. is great it's a great character mm-hmm. well I feel like she's been waiting her whole career to be old enough to play this side of the character yeah yeah, yeah. which is the best part about it and and it and it started weird it started weird and I wasn't totally convinced and then I watched it with my daughters <laughs> and I realized this show has legs and should be a top tier show. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I I agree. Um, they they made a lot of good course corrections. The Flash crossover episode was delightfully Fantastic. goofy and fun. It's like a basket of adorable puppies. It's so great. Chills. It was just like it was like this is the superhero team up that I've wanted to see. Like screw that Batman versus can, Superman. Can I tell you? I saved that episode on my TiVo. It's still on my TiVo, and I just I just watch it sometimes when I'm feeling down because it is just a wow. ray of sunshine. That episode. Let's send the Flash to other shows. He's worked great on the crossovers he's done so far. Yeah. I, I just, you know, mm-hmm. when, what what do we use our superpowers for? The answer is to get ice cream. Fantastic. Just, yeah. just super speed. I can get the ice cream back and it won't even be melted. All right, let's do that. Just, uh, uh, just amazing. So 
I, I, Superman came up, and I wanted to, I wanted to mention. Uh, I th- actually think Superman was one of the great problems of Supergirl this year because they didn't want to do the show and not talk about Superman because the premise of Supergirl is that she's his cousin and all of that. So they talk about him and they show him like in silhouette, and there's like a CGI Superman at one point, and there's a blur of a Superman a at one point. A lot of IM instant messaging, a lot of instant messaging, mm-hmm. lots yeah. of texts with Clark, right? Which I, I felt like. Uh, the show got be- again better as they went along. At first, I felt it was like almost, almost like we talk about the Bechdel test, and you know, women, women, but they're not talking about themselves; they're talking about men. I almost felt like Supergirl started out as failing that own a test about herself. Like it was all mm-hmm. about Superman. It's like, guys, it is My not cousin. his show. Stop mm-hmm. talking about your cousin. And they got better at it. And I think they did a pretty good job, but it was just really weird that he that he was kind of hovering over them for so much. Like they had to explain why he wasn't involved. I don't know what to take. the The rumor is, or the the news is, that they are going to do. They're going to cast somebody and have Superman at, at least as a recurring character in season Boring. two of Supergirl. I don't know. No, I disagree. I, I, I disagree. I don't know. I think I I feel like that would be better than the limbo state where you where he's there but not there. I think you almost need to just have don't mention superman or he needs to show up but you can't have it be like what it was the, in season the one. excuse of it like in the finale where it's like look superman he's finally coming to help us oh wait he's been brainwashed with everybody else was terrible that was just yes. like yeah. it, that was a very clear like okay we need to have this acknowledged and yet we also need to take him off the board because otherwise he'll just fix everything uh and and that's a problem and I, I i agree with jason wholeheartedly there so i think the the answer is you have him show up for a couple episodes at the beginning of next season then he needs to go deal with some stuff like off world he's like you know <laughs> I, gotta Cara, go to space. I trust you i gotta go to space Kara. i trust you take care of stuff while i'm gone and uh, i'll be back at some point and then maybe you have him pop in later in the season to be like everything cool here great i'm going back to space yeah or we could have Kara accidentally fall through a wormhole and end up in the arrowverse yeah where there's there you no go. superman and, hmm. well, and, whole and, building. Oh, oh my gosh yeah Yes. The whole building yeah, falls right. through. Yeah, we need Cat as well, too, definitely. Yeah, sure. Or maybe, or, or maybe this will be like some Mondo crossover where it turns out that Barry's erasing his own timeline, reverberates up and down different Earths, and uh, Kara, all of a sudden, they get knocked into this, oh, the, these Earths have merged, but bafflingly, there's no doppelgangers. <laughs> Like there are on other Earths. I don't necessarily always advocate the whole shipper perspective, but let me just put it this way. If Kara and Barry just ended up dating <laughs> instead of Kara and or a Barry and I Iris, on, yeah. like I feel like we'd all be okay I'd, with that. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, that, that's like Felicity level of chemistry, too. We're like, oh, these two actors who yeah. were both actually both were even shared scenes together on Glee. Grant Gustin and uh, Melissa Benoist. They they uh, they they've been on TV together before, and boy, they really do have a great connection that yeah. uh, mm-hmm. they don't have with other people on their shows. Let's put it that way. So I would like to briefly distance myself from my own my own idea. Okay. <laughs> I don't think Supergirl works if Superman isn't in the universe. I agree. Because I want her to be trying to live up to an unattainable ideal. He just needs to either be way further in the background or they need to move him into the foreground enough to explain him away. And I hope that's yeah. what they do next season is is like he is because before it was like, well, we don't have I, I understand the, the way I understand it is they, they kind of didn't have permission to use Superman. And so they could talk about him, but they but they couldn't cast a person as him. <laughs> and apparently <laughs> something happened maybe batman versus superman i don't know when they're like yeah it's fine you're that's a totally different 
different world. Just, you know, yeah, if you want to have Superman as a recurring, go ahead. Well, because it's tough to live up to him. It's tough to live up to him when we have no idea. Like, this show is predicated on the idea that we all know who Superman is, right? Like, and it's tough to to get an idea when you're like, I don't know which version. Like, yeah. who is this person she's trying to live up to? Is it is it the, com- you know, action comics version? Is it Henry Cavill? Is it Brandon Routh? Is it Christopher Reeve? Like, there, there's lots of different versions. I sort of wish it would be Brandon Routh and people yeah. just keep looking at him kind of sideways like, you look a lot like someone else Could not agree more. Yeah, I know. I think that would be hilarious. <laughs> yeah, I would, I, would, I would go for that. Or, uh, you know, there, there are a bunch of good uh, actors that they could cast as Superman that would be hilarious uh, yeah. bits of casting. Um, but I, I think I think that it has a Gotham problem too, which is alternate. Like, do it, is it really going to be Supergirl and and uh, and we get Jimmy Olsen, but then we get like Lois Lane's sister, and we're going to get like I think next season <laughs> we're going to get Lex Luthor's sister and all that. It's like have Superman drop in, have Lois Lane drop in, and talk to Jimmy for an episode and kind of upset the apple cart and then leave again. I would like them to take those Superman characters and kind of rifle them through and then move them along. Right? I think that would be yeah. fine. I think that would be okay. How about eliminate Superman altogether and just let her be her? What are you, Lex Luthor all of a sudden? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. Sudden? Not sudden. <laughs> I guess that's sort of what I'm saying is you bring you, you actually cast Superman so you can bring him on and then send him away and stop talking about him. <laughs> like, we saw yeah. him, he was here, we had some good times, and then he left, and let's never speak of him again. He could just, just a sticky note, it says... You know, I've got to go to space. Yeah. yeah. It, not yeah. you. It's Superman. <laughs> um. <laughs> they kind of have the same problem Arrow did where you want to make references to other comic books. But if you accidentally say, you know, like that nutcase over in Bloodhaven or you can't call yourself Oracle, that's taken. Yeah. All of a sudden that implies way more things about your universe than you're prepared to deal with. I, that didn't bother me on the Arrow thing just because it, I figured it was just an in-joke for, for nerds like us. Well, yeah. Well, Arrow backed away from it. and They didn't keep dwelling on it whereas supergirl we want to talk about superman yeah we right can't yeah, talk about superman li- too much what's going on <laughs> right uh okay we got a couple more that i want to cover before we before we wrap and uh we got we got a I, I don't want to end on a negative note, so we're going to do Legends of Tomorrow first. Oh, me. <laughs> That's a positive. All right. Legends of Tomorrow is next on the docket. Who will speak for Legends of Tomorrow? Tony, Who will, will it be you? Legends of Tomorrow? No, I'm leading the prosecution. <laughs> oh, it's a, it's a court case, is it? Oh, I can be the judge as I watch none of it. I, I, will, do, I will do some defense. Guilty. But not a lot. Not a lot. <laughs> I think you can defend individual elements of it. Like, I really liked Wentworth Miller's performance in it. I liked Katie Lotz. Um, yes, yes. Imagine if they were on other shows. <laughs> oh, my God. I know, right? They should be. Mm-hmm. It's just, there There were, like, approximately five too many Legends of Tomorrow, and Rip Hunter is worse than useless, and then you have Martin Donovan, who's already shown up, and you have Martin Donovan acting all evil, and I'm like... What, what? Imagine a world where there was no Legends of Tomorrow and you got three more Captain Cold episodes in this season of Flash. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> better, better world. That's you know, in the world. Flash, yeah. as soon as you find an ice gun, the first thing you do is run to a thesaurus and start learning all of the words for cold because that's all you talk about for the rest of your <laughs> damn life. Maybe Leonard Snart had a lot of lonely Friday nights and already knew all the words because he had nothing better to do, you know? The, one of the few things I enjoyed from the season, although I agree with many of the things Lisa just said, um, but I do think that they took Mick Rory from a character that I could not have yes. cared less about to an actually interesting and kind of cool character who I dig. 
Um, Dominic exactly. Purcell really came a long way from the just like I'm stupid and like mean and just want to burn things. It's like, well, that's a hard character. That's a very one dimensional character, and it worked fine on his few flash appearances. But like, how do you have a character like Captain Cold? You can kind of see why he's like maybe decides to like join up with these guys, but it made no sense for Heatwave to be there. Uh, and so I think they did a nice job of with the Chrono stuff and with the Time Masters like brainwashing him and all that. I actually really enjoyed that. That was one of the few things about the season that I was like wholeheartedly thumbs up on. I agree. I agree. The only thing they did right by him. Um, I wanted to point out. So the the showrunner for Legends of Tomorrow did an interview where uh, people asked him about the fact that the time travel in his time travel show doesn't follow any consistent rules and makes no sense. And his response was basically to say, "Oh, you know." People complain about stuff, and those people are not uh, having fun, and they should, you know, that people are, are like looking for things to complain about. And I thought this is everything that's wrong with Legends of Tomorrow because this this is the showrunner of a show that's about time travel. And look, time travel is totally made up and ridiculous. I, you can you can make up whatever crazy rules you want, but. If your show doesn't about time travel doesn't have rules, it also doesn't have stakes. It doesn't have internal consistency, and that means it doesn't have any drama because you're just watching like flashing lights on a screen at that point. And that if is your Legends of Tomorrow. If can't be bothered, why should we? Exactly. And it shows. Yeah. It shows yeah. in Legends of Tomorrow. Yeah. You can decide to change your time travel. I mean, Doctor Who is not always the most consistent about its rules for time travel, but... What? With- <laughs> no, that can't no, be No, it, right. it is very definitively not, but it tries to have a framework that makes sense, right? And, and, and in episodes where that is a central point, exactly. they work hard to make it work. And yeah. so I think there are a couple places in here where it goes okay. I enjoyed... Ray and Kendra being stuck in the 50s. I for love that. Years, That's my Ray favorite having, episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Ray having trouble. Like, we had a life. Like, how can you just decide to go back to this? Like, and just like turn it off. Like, that I thought was good consequences to that. But you're right. That so much other stuff in here does not make a difference. I will agree with that to this extent. Doctor Who throws its rules out at the drop of a hat, but it knows when it's doing that and at least yeah, gives you yeah, some hand waving saying, mm-hmm. I, I know we normally can't ever do this. We're doing it this time. We've got five doctors. Deal with it. Here we go. I'm not looking for rigorous, like, (laughs) tested time travel logic here. I would would take... But when when the core conceit of the show is a guy is trying to save his family by going back in time and stopping another guy, and yet... Even like within the episodes about that story, it's unclear how that would happen or where that would happen or why that would happen. And it never becomes clear. It's never really resolved to anybody's satisfaction yeah. about why any of that happened. You know, you've just tossed like like sort of like the flash this season. You've just kind of tossed your whole season long premise away with a with a hand wave. And it makes for uh, like Legends of Tomorrow. I just kept wondering, like, what are the stakes here? And it was never clear. The worst is when Sarah wants to go back back and save her sister and there's the whole like this is why you can't it's like this doesn't like that is that to me was like did you are you watching the show do you know what the show is about we we can't do we can't do that because contracts yeah Yeah. i'm not sure if you're aware the entire premise of the show is to save your wife and child but nobody that you pick to help save your wife and child can actually save their loved ones got it yeah rip hunter you're he's the worst he's the worst like he literally is the worst he lies to them constantly he has no understanding of team dynamics he has no leadership skills whatsoever he has no planning he doesn't listen to the people that he's brought along i i just kept actively rooting for him to get killed he just he's got a stolen spaceship and uh and a a fancy gun and that's so he's basically a 16 year old who's boosted the parents car on a friday night like 
Uh, well, except that would have been that would have been interesting because that's like your Doctor Who premise there. To, but be, like, to be fair, to be fair, his parents are an evil, corrupt time agency. So, yeah. <laughs> I, I really do like Arthur Darville, and I think it's a damn shame that they didn't give him a yes. character who made sense in any way yeah. because he's he's a good actor and he's charming and he can do the sort of rakish like time master thing. But like his, I will take your word for it because none of that was on evidence. In the I know, show. but his, you're well, you're right that his motivations make no sense. His plot makes no sense. His character is awful. And, and he, all the things you listed are totally correct, Lisa. But I, I can't lay that. Having seen him, you know, in several seasons of Doctor Who and on Broadchurch and a bunch of other stuff, he's a good actor. He really he is. just was not given any any sensible material to work with here. Because this is the only thing I've seen him in. So I'm just like, meh. The same reason perhaps the cement jawed wonder that played Hawkman is fantastic and whatever else he's in. No, whatever German <laughs> soap opera he was in when they found but, him. But, yeah. like, the, 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 the whole Hawkman, Hawkgirl thing makes no sense whatsoever. And then the season finale when she's like, we're just going to hang out here and, and, and just be together and do cock things for a while and i was like girl no no you don't know this man from from a glass of milk you had a life with ray who clearly adores you and this is the hawk man yeah. from the future who they've brought back yeah. it doesn't know mm. kendra is like one of the most poorly served characters in the yeah. sense that she's like the linchpin to all these plots she gets to be the object of romantic interest and she literally doesn't have a thought in her head that somebody else hasn't put there or a motivation that remains constant from episode to episode it's it was just really frustrating watching her be treated like that and then it was also super frustrating that the show begins with a, an older white man drugging and kidnapping a young black man and somehow like this this forced conscription into <laughs> into life this guy wants is never addressed either lisa uh-huh. Does this deserve season two? Does the show or does my rant? <laughs> <laughs> I will accept the rant in season two, yeah. but do they deserve a shot at season two? I thought they were going to scrap everything and it was going to be a whole new ensemble. So yeah, I'll like, take a complete like, teardown yeah. season two. Yeah, mm-hmm. but no, apparently they're bringing a bunch of people it's a, back. It's why they're doing 50 the other per, thing. it's a fifty percent teardown? Yeah, at yeah. least I mean they're not bringing Vandal Savage back, right? Right. Like, yeah. No, no. Yeah, maybe the Hawks aren't coming back. I don't know. No, the Hawks are not. The Hawks are not coming back. I think. I think they are gone, which is good. They should have cast like some professional wrestler as Vandal Savage because mm. he needed to be like a big, huge guy, even if he was a much worse actor. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Yeah. Could, wait, is that possible? <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, like oh, if they had gosh. a guy, if they had a professional wrestler, like reading off a of cue cards and like <laughs> making eye contact with the camera, I feel like the show would have been about twenty percent better. <laughs> I have breaking news. Yes, Mose, do you have you have news for us? This show sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yep. No, uh, guilty. Guilty is so ruled, so guilty, ordered. Guilty. <laughs> Legend of Tomorrow. I was so excited about it, and it was really bad. Yep. It also can we mention just how cheap it looks? Like Arrow yeah. and Flash cut a lot of corners, <laughs> but there were so many guys who were just wearing like motorcycle jackets who were supposed to be like the, like Time's greatest killers. <laughs> oh, man. They all had to stop at the Gap first, I guess. And it's like that that NPC doesn't even have a name. Come on, they spent it. They spent a lot of money on that spaceship that Jason really disliked. It's a superhero show. First off, it, 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 you th- it's a show populated by superheroes, but they're never allowed to be super because it's too expensive and so they don't 
use their powers. <laughs> and and so at that point, why is it not just a time travel show with regular people in it? Why yeah. why have you populated with, with superheroes who can't use their powers? Like Firestorm is really awesome. And I thought, oh, a show with Firestorm would be really fun. Uh, Firestorm gets to be Firestorm like three times over the course of the season. I would, if, I, if I'm Rip Hunter, which obviously I'm overqualified for. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> I would handcuff those two together because it's like, no, you yeah. guys don't get to stand in different rooms. You don't get to get into the little spaceship while he stays here. It's like, no, you guys, like, you eat together, you sleep together, and you firestorm together. Yep. This is how we yeah. stay alive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Tony, I would give up my kids' college tuition for you to be Rip Hunter. Yeah. Um, I've got the jacket. I'm ready. <laughs> You'll be legends. Let's end on what I think is going to be a, uh, a more positive note, which is uh, just to just to touch base on uh, another Netflix series, Jessica Jones, which we yes. did a TV series about. Aline put together. There was a, there were a bunch of episodes about it. Um, and this one, uh, I, I thought that this one actually set the bar a lot higher for Daredevil. And then I think Daredevil didn't clear its own bar for season one. Um, I thought, yeah, I thought I thought Jessica Jones, I was excited by it after I read the comic. When I heard there was going to be a TV show, I read the comic. And um, I think they did a great job. I think Jessica Jones was a real uh, uh, surprise for me about just how much I, li- I, I liked it. What do people think? I loved it. Kristen Ritter has been a favorite of mine. I know what this sounds like, but don't trust the bee in apartment 23. Oh, I love that show so much. Really funny. And she's so much fun on it. Oh, she's so smart and funny. And she was great on Breaking Bad. So I was really looking forward to her here. And you don't see a superhero who's afraid Mm -hmm. that much. And she's playing fear and PTSD so well through so much of that series. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've heard... Especially this year and last year, and I I hesitate to use the term, which is called agency. I don't like it, and I don't like the word strong male, strong female. We don't use that term very often. I think that gets misunderstood because I think what the intent of a lot of people discussing that is saying, this is a strong character in the sense that this is a three-dimensional character, not necessarily that they are emotionally or physically strong, but they are well-drawn. Although Jessica Jones, to be fair... Is she's physically extremely strong. Yes. strong. That is her thing. Her superpower is opening locked doors and also broken. Yes, yeah, she's yeah. totally broken. Very broken character. Yes, which is great as a uh, character. Yep. Yeah. Agreed. One hundred percent. At the same time, I feel bad because my girls can't watch yep. that one. No. No. <laughs> no. 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 But it, it is. It, it is so great to see when we meet Jessica Jones. She's a disaster, and yeah. uh, we learn as we go why she's a disaster. Speaking of shows with great villains, yeah, I was yeah. going to say David. Oh David God, Tennant yeah. kills it. This show has ruined David Tennant for me. I've seen him in, in many, and like I've seen him in a lot of things before this, uh, Broadchurch and Doctor Who, of course. But now when I see him in other stuff, especially things where he does voices for animated characters, like I can't, I can't deal with it anymore. He's Kilgrave now. Oh, no. Yeah, he's just he is he's going to be Kilgrave for a long, wow. long time. Especially he plays like a like a, a wacky cyborg in the Ninja Turtles cartoon, and it's like no, <laughs> I can't deal with you as a wacky cyborg. I think one of the reasons I like Supergirl so much is because you've got the Kara Alex relationship where they are each other's sisters and each other's best friends, 
And um, it reminds me a lot of the Jessica Patsy relationship, yeah. which to me was the beating heart of the show. Like, I agree. It's great that it's great that she and Luke Cage are are <laughs> splendidly matched. Um, mm-hmm. You know, in the bedroom and out. There's some chemistry, you, by the way, in terms oh, of God, casting, yeah, and he's crazy. such a crazy great casting. Mike, Mike Coulter, Mike Coulter, so and good, and he's yeah, so he's handsome. Fantastic. Oh my gosh! But the beating heart of the show is is the fact that Jessica loves Patsy and would do anything for her, yep. and the feeling is more than mutual. And those two girls save each other's lives over and over and over again. And the whole show is about love and connection, and I I, I, I adore it for that reason. It's the first um, Marvel TV property, um, or actually, I'd say even the first property in the MCU that's really gotten female relationships right. Mm. I that show I I watched probably way too much of it in like one sitting at a couple times, and like the dreams you get after that. Let me tell you, <laughs> some seriously crazy stuff. Yeah. Like it's super creepy. Like and, and I thought just so effectively done. Some great portrayals. Uh, I really like, you know, my only, I feel like I, you know, I have seen Carrie Ann Moss in a bunch of things over the years, especially The Matrix. I always thought she was one of the most underserved characters in that entire franchise. Uh, And she's just phenomenal here. I really enjoyed her character. Um, And I look forward to seeing more of her in in Iron Fist. But I I think that she's great in her relationship with Jessica, in her own personal screwed up life. uh, And all this, like, again, you get a lot of characters who do things that make sense, even when that throws wrenches into, like, the plans of our of our heroes. Like, well, yeah, this is this is kind of what happens when you don't like people don't believe you or when you don't fully explain what's going on. Um, and it's just, oh, wow. It's, it's, this was just a fantastic show from start it's to finish. It's so weirdly hopeful when you think about it, because even though there are so many people in such desperate straits, they all keep trying and they keep trying to connect with each other and they keep and they keep trying to become better people and they keep trying and they keep hoping and, and pushing towards the hope that things will get better. And it's an odd thing to say about a show that has one of the darkest aesthetics I can remember, like it and Daredevil are kind of neck and neck for like how many dark night scenes can you have where things are dripping but it's one of like at its heart it's it's just a very hopeful show and a very warm show in some ways yeah what i liked about it is that it was willing to take kilgrave say here is a monster and then spend a few episodes later in the season saying and this is how he came that way and now you're starting to feel some sympathy for him and no actually Still a monster. monster. No, because they talk about choices and agency. It's all like this is precisely what makes Kilgrave so bad is he makes poor choices. And because of his poor choices, he doesn't want anyone else to have any choices at all. Yeah, but we we get to learn why he is the way he is. But he's still a monster. That was such a such a hard episode. I do want to give a I really thought that um, Eka Darville, Eka Darville, no relation to Arthur Darville, presumably, who plays Malcolm the uh, the junkie. I thought that storyline was amazing just because that. That moment when you realize, like, not only has he, like, been spying on her because he's been mind-controlled to a certain extent, but also, like, he just, he turned him into a junkie. Like, yeah, that was just, just because he heartbreaking. Could. Right. Yeah. It's just heartbreaking. Because, not only because he could, but because it served his ends. You know, like, oh, now I don't even have to mind-control him. I just, you know, make him dependent on something else. Uh, and I just thought that guy did a fantastic, fantastic job. Yeah, he was the neighbor I liked. Yes, the let's not speak of the other weird. No, let's not talk about the twins, neighbors. okay? <laughs> yeah. Let's, let's ignore the twins for now. Weird that was, choice. Yeah, she was acting in a completely different series than everyone else. Their depiction of New York City apartment buildings is a little too real. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, isn't it supposed to be like Seinfeld or Friends or something? 
Why don't they all have beautiful, large, spacious apartments that are tastefully decorated? That's what I want it's, to know. It's the other way. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I draw the line at, at New York apartments. So, yeah, I'm super looking forward to the Luke Cage series. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Super. It's going to be great. Yes. All right. Well, we're going to wrap the superhero TV season. There are more superhero shows. Oh, God, there are always more superhero <laughs> shows to come. Uh, so... I'm sure we'll be back and see many more of them next year. But uh, that's that's all uh, that's all for this year. A mixed a mixed crop, but that always happens. I'd like to thank my uh, panelists for joining me to talk about the uh, the bounty of uh, superhero related TV shows. Dan Morin, thanks for being here. Uh, it was a great pleasure. I'm sure we will talk about many many superheroes next. Year. So many superheroes. Philip Mozilak, Mose, thanks for being here. I'm so thrilled, and we've spent two hours talking about superheroes. I know. I know. Almost. Almost. And we could have could have done it for another two, probably. Lisa Schmeiser, thank you. I look forward to the day they make the show about us talking about superheroes. It's gonna, it's, <laughs> And then we'll talk about that. Um, somebody yes. will talk about it, but it won't be us. Monty <laughs> Ashley, thank you. Spoon! Okay, good. <laughs> Solid. And Tony Sindelar, Thanks for being here. Goodbye, Jason. Goodbye, Tony. And goodbye to everybody out there listening on The Incomparable. We'll be back again next week. And there's about 20 minutes of extra material and outtakes from this recording session. In the bonus track for members, go to theincomparable.com slash members to sign up.